those bells? They're requiem for the newsrooms of America as the hypocrites of corporate, corrupt corporate media that has killed itself met with each other at a grand dinner in a ballroom in Washington, yucking it up over how smart they are and how dumb the rest of us are. And to talk about that, the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and other things, media, politics, culture, none other than Tom Bevan, co-founder and president of RealClearPolitics.com, and a guy who's allowing me to reprint and republish articles from a group that he's involved with, Real Clear Investigations, which has an amazing series on religion and freedom. Joining us, as always, is Jeff Carlin, my friend, future physics teacher, and a guy who, you know, loves pies and cats, but I'm trying to get him to love sausage. Maybe we'll talk about that another time. But for right now, Tom Bevan, Jeff Carlin, and me, John Cass, johncassnews.com, on media, politics, culture, and the pity party. And where are you as those bells ring and old man Biden is puffing up his chest, telling everybody he's ready to be president again in his late 80s? (laughs) In his late 80s. You're on the Chicago way on WGN+. So this is a guy who lives high on the hog and he has this Tammany Hall-style attitude to power. And um, it is, it's the Chicago way, absolutely. Look, the, the Chicago way is a deep cultural phenomenon. It's the Chicago way. The Chicago way, that's the focus. In a tower by the river, there lived a man. There was a man who took a stand with pen and paper in his hand. Defeating foes in every ward with a pen more mighty than the sword. No escape from his ink lasso in a tower by the river. Castle. Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. The media world is topsy-turvy as we speak. Tucker Carlson is being attacked relentlessly by the so-called conservatives of Fox News. We have uh, CNN inviting President Donald Trump on a on a panel show or a town hall where he can tell everyone how he basically manipulated the entire country and most of those Fox viewers into hating CNN and now he's sucking up to them. I don't know what else. And the pity party for Kim Fox continues. And to make sense of all this is our friend Tom Bevan, co-founder and president, Real Clear Politics. Good morning, Tom. Welcome to the Chicago Way. Hey, buddy. How you doing, John? Yeah, good to be back with you. It's so good. So what do you make of all? First of all, I need to know how the White House Correspondence Center was, <laughs> because the last time the last time I was at one, there was this Italian guy in a tuxedo. 
And he comes up to me and he's like, do you have a cigarette? I don't smoke, but do you have a cigarette? I'm like, yeah, sure. I gave him a camel. And he's like, camel? Hmm. We, he, he gave some pleasant, offered some pleasantries. And I was thinking, what do I say that's witty to Anton Scalia? What do I have that's witty? Nice. But it was a pleasant evening. That that remark was pleasant. We had who was sitting at our table. That was the days when we cared who sat at our table. Oh, the guy who backed uh, Barack Obama from the Supreme Court, uh, Justice Roberts, was hmm. our guest, Tribune's guest, typical corporate Tribune, <laughs> corporate uh, justice. But... I've fallen out with those guys. I don't go to those events. I don't get invited. Tom, I wasn't invited to the event. So tell me <laughs> what happened. Well, so, so you know, I started going to these things, oh, I want to say 20, yeah. 2010, 2011, something like that. Uh-huh. And, you know, it was the first time you go. I mean, it's exciting. Right. We felt like as a, as a small independent media organization to actually get a table uh, through the White House Correspondents Association. You know, we were kind of like, we've arrived, you know, we've made it. We got invited to the big kids, <laughs> you know, the cool kids party or whatever. Right. And uh, we're establishment in the yeah, establishment. I mean, right. it, it, it was a it was an affirming thing for us. Um, and. So the first, you know, the first year, first couple of years, it was like an event and, and um, it was exciting. Then the novelty wears off and it becomes more of a chore. And then finally, I mean, (laughs) you know, Donald Trump didn't go to any of these things, which made them less interesting. Uh, And then there was COVID for a couple of years. And um, so I didn't go um, this year. I haven't gone in a number of years and because of, because of COVID and because of Trump. So I was actually drove my my seventh grader down to Southern Illinois University for the I was at the uh, state science fair. Okay. That was my Ooh. yes, yes indeed. Jeff is Jeff is turgid with excitement <laughs> because he's a future, future science teacher. That's right. Yes. Um but Carl Cannon, our Washington Bureau yeah. Chief, uh and he's been going to that thing for years and years and years. I mean like decades. He's covered, I think, four presidents and you know he's a um He's more of a fan of it than I am. I think he still enjoys the, you know, and he was there when it used to be, it used to be what it was designed to be when it first started and it's been going over a hundred years. It was, it was an opportunity for a press core that was um, oftentimes uh, at odds with the administration, antagonistic toward the administration that they would lay down their arms and everybody would get together and, you know, the president would come and, you know, they tell some jokes and everyone would just have a fine, lovely evening. That was the deal. I raise my glass and we'll sing. We shall sing the whiff and poof song or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they're but, hail and well met fellows. Yes. You know, it, it progressively turned into more of a, a sort of explicitly partisan affair as the media and this, this really happened, uh, I, I would say most dramatically during, you know, George W. Bush, um, the press was tough on him and, but he, sure. you know, and he, but, but he would go to these things and he would, you know, make fun of himself. I mean, a, a couple gentleman. of the best, right. a couple of the best dinners. Yeah. He would play along. And then when it moved into the Obama era though, oh. um, 
you know, the press was so in the tank for Obama and it got really the, the, the talent, you know, the comedians got much more partisan. Um, Obviously that was the year, one of the years when uh, Obama made uh, and the comedian, I think it was Seth Myers made such vicious attacks on Donald Trump, who was sitting at the ABC table right in front of them Mm -hmm. that he, as he later said, that was the moment he decided he was going to run for president uh, exactly. as, he, as he stormed out uh, of the White House Correspondents' Dinner that year. So, um, and it's be- so it's just become. And then again, with the way that the media, you know, declared themselves to be part of the resistance against Donald Trump, and now to go back and you know they're yucking it up again with with. Uh, with each other, with Biden. Biden's telling jokes about how he doesn't take questions at press conferences and the press is sitting there, you know, clapping and laughing as if <laughs> as if they think that he's laughing with them instead of at them. They're all in on the inside joke. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it, it confirmed all the worst things about the press and the reason that the public doesn't trust the press. It just, it's become a real symbol of all of the things that are wrong with our current situation in both the media and Washington. And so for that reason, um, it's, you know, I think it's become much, much less relevant um, to a broader audience. And again, Carl said, um, you know, he thought, he thought Biden's remarks were, um, were not great. They were overly partisan. I mean, he made one joke about his, his age, uh, but a lot of the jokes were at the expense of Tucker Carlson and Fox news and, you know, Donald Trump and Republicans in general. And so um, it is what it is. It's just, it's unfortunate that the media has gotten to a point where um, the public, I mean, I guess the nice way of saying is the public doesn't trust them. There are certain segments of the population that actually despise the media. And, you know, so it's just, it's become a symbol of all it's wrong. Yeah. And, I mean, at, what do they call it? Uh, prom for journalism nerds? Nerd prom. Yeah, nerd, nerd prom. prom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, but you can see all the, all the celebrities are back this year, you know, Chrissy yeah, Teigen and John Legend and all, you know, that, that's the other thing. I mean, it used to be, uh, and this, this happened during Bill Clinton is when he sort of was the, he was the celebrity president. He was friends, you know, doing Arsenio Hall and playing the saxophone and all that crap. And, and so that was when, it became the 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 deal that you would invite celebrities to your table, mm-hmm. and so you know initially it was like, well, you'd invite you know senators, Justice and Roberts, were, Justice right. Roberts, Justice Scalia, <laughs> people who were involved with government and and mm-hmm. governing right. and, and politics, and then it became. I mean, one year I was there, it was an entire table, and I ex- I think it was Fox News that did this because I think I remember Greta Van Susteren was sitting at the table. It was Kim Kardashian oh, and. Yes. Chris Jenner, uh, the mom, and I think Chloe and one of the, I mean, oh, like like these, you know, people right. have any business <laughs> this mm-hmm. dinner. So there, there that aspect of it uh was injected in the in the nineties and became, you know, a thing too, which which I think further trivialized it. Did uh, Carl mention anything about the food? Is that always a good thing? Like no, I was wondering about these no, things. It's, it's like it's like prom food, like it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's, it, it it is amazing to be in the Hilton, in that ballroom, which holds. I mean, you're right. in there with two thousand five hundred, three thousand people. I mean, it's uh, massive, and it is jam packed. And it, is, I always marvel at how how they manage to serve that many people uh, at one time. You know, the waiters are all bringing out the plates, and it's all right there. It's it's pretty 
amazing yeah, you've been there, logistically right? speaking you've done large-scale yes. catering right I've, you mean I've been on both sides of it. I did not serve uh, Charles Krautheimer and <laughs> and uh, and George Will. Well, I would have loved to have served them a crow sandwich, even though respect to Charles Krautheimer when they when it came out that they invited Barack Obama to lunch at Krautheimer's uh, Georgetown home, so that they could explain the way of Washington to him. <laughs> I remember hearing about that. I was cringing just thinking about it. Oh! But you serve, you run out, and you serve the people, and uh, you keep your mouth shut, and you don't try to look down the uh, cleavage of uh, the beautiful <laughs> celebrities. <laughs> well, now that's from a waiter's point of view, a young sure. waiter's point of view. I've done that. Absolutely, it's like that scene in Caddyshack where where uh, <laughs> Danny Noonan's serving the butter. <laughs> oh it's so good well thank anyway. you uh speaking of interesting events so this past this week we weekend we had uh the big guy biden announcing he's re- gonna run again what was your uh, reaction oh, to that there tom so <laughs> biden is the is i mean first of all i don't think we've ever seen a president announce the re-election by you know putting out a three minute video at seven in the morning. Right. Um, it's, it was kind of underwhelming. Yeah. Um, and look, he's, we'll see what happens. Um, Democrats don't want him to run. I mean, they right. just don't, there's a, there's majorities of Democrats uh, do not want, they like him, but he's they got support his, him. He's got his they, insurance policy. They did really <laughs> want to see, you know, give him the gold watch and usher him off the stage mm-hmm. and, and turn to, someone else and not i'm not sure that's kamala harris necessarily but someone else bingo notice and, that notice that tom did not say kamala harris is in the line because well, they, don't, no, they don't want no. her anywhere near yeah <laughs> so um but i think the presumption is that you know donald trump's gonna you know he's running again he's leading substantially in the polls and and you know biden thinks that he can beat trump and and he's already done it and so, um, but it's, I mean, it's, a, it's going to be a challenge for him. I mean, he's, his numbers are terrible. He's mm-hmm. 80 years old. He's got a lot of, uh, he's, you know, when you look at the, at the asset and liability ledger, he's got mm-hmm. some assets, but he's also got some real liabilities that, mm-hmm. that Republicans are going to, I think, make a lot of hay with, um, during the campaign. So we'll see. I mean, he's, you know, when you look at the national polls right now, the national matchups, um, He's trailing Trump by, I think, less than a percentage point in you know hypothetical matchups, and he's trailing DeSantis by about a point and a half. But it's close, and it's all the same states, um, and it's they're going to run the exact same playbook. I mean, Biden's announcement was, you know, we got to finish the job of protecting, uh, you know, democracy and abortion rights and all the same stuff that they ran on in twenty twenty two successfully. By mm-hmm. the way, um, so it's going to be a a hard fought um rerun of of 2020 which was a you know obviously oh. happened during covid but it was an awful campaign and i suspect biden's going to do you know he's not going to be aggressively campaigning around the country i think he's going to he can't do what he did during covid which is stay in the basement the entire time but he'll he'll do some modified version of that where he's doing smaller events he's uh you know campaigning sort of 
lightly and trying to make sure that all of the focus is on, you know, probably Donald Trump and and all of his flaws and his baggage, reminding independent voters and women and all mm-hmm. those all of those voters why, why they, you know, he's the he's the least worst of the uh, of the options available to them. Yeah, what a sad state of affairs that we have. One president who's, you know, maybe get to that on the side, but is being investigated in multiple various ways when that's just awful on its own. But and then you got another president who may be, you know, he's going to be eighties in his eighties. You're like, mm, this is it. This is the the best democracy the can best do right can now. Do? Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, come on, guys. A race to the bottom, Jeff and Tom. <laughs> it certainly is. It certainly is. Tom, do you think that 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 announcement video? Did they? It, there was so much Kamala in that. They're trying to send some signal because I can't read that. Like, I don't understand the point of trying to push her that hard. And I think because she showed up, I haven't seen her on TV that much in the last two years. Yeah. I, well, there was obviously a lot of speculation about whether he was going to dump her for somebody else. And um, I think they and she's obviously we've read stories about how her office and her supporters are dissatisfied with the way she's been treated by the Biden, you know, team Biden, mm-hmm. giving her crappy assignments, don't give her enough respect and yada, yada, yada. So I, I think that was part of trying to signal to everybody, bring everybody together and and mm-hmm. say, you know, we're, we're full speed ahead, the two of us. Um, and, uh, Try and unify the party as much as possible and smooth over any, you know, bruised feelings or egos that are out there Um, because it will need. I think I think I think both parties need to get need to be as unified as humanly possible heading into a general election. The Republican fantasy, I think one of them is uh, to have Kamala under attack by people like Pete Buttigieg and then have him serve to the voters, particularly black Democratic voters, in pieces as she cuts him up. And uh, I don't think that's going to, I don't think that will fly. You can't really, a Democrat trying to take out Kamala Harris won't work, uh, particularly given that without black voters, there is no Democratic Party. And I just see a problem there. They have to get rid of her because they have to move on, but um, I don't see how they can do that. I don't really see it. It's it's going to be difficult. Um, and and quite frankly, she's going to be part of this campaign. It is, it's been discussed. And the subtext of this campaign is, you know, um, if you're voting to reelect a guy who's 80 years old, you know, actuarial tables will say <laughs> that. There's a, you know, 50, 50 chance he doesn't make it to the end of his second term. He'd be 86 when he finishes. Right. Uh, You know, you're casting a vote or at least half a vote or, you know, some percentage of your vote is going toward a a potential reality that Kamala Harris will assume the office. And um, again, that's not going to be that's subtext to this entire campaign. And so for that reason, I think the Democrats and and Biden. Team Biden needs to needs to boost her as much as they can. You've saved your you've said you've saved Fox. Fox uh, News now has an opportunity. They just hire Willie Brown as the uh, as the eight o'clock uh, eight o'clock host. Uh, uh, carry the ball, right? Right. Yeah. We should do that. 
Oh my gosh, that would be something, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. Group they do have a hold of Phil there, don't they? <laughs> they do. Um, that's another big story that I think yeah. is. Uh, what do you think con- of it? Continues to evolve. Well, I mean, listen. Um, I think that uh, there's a lot of misdirection. I mean, I tweeted this a while ago. I mean, eighty. 80- in general, you know, a lot of the stuff you read is is BS. But in mm-hmm. in a, in the circumstance like this, where you have all of these competing agendas and everybody's leaking, and I think it's probably closer to you know eighty ninety percent of everything that's in the press is is you know either not true or or showing up for for uh, you know uh, various reasons that are not the actual reasons. I think a lot of the stuff. I mean, if you've seen the stuff that's been leaked. Just yeah. over the last uh, couple of days to Media Matters, they're posting these clips of Tucker Carlson claiming that they're, you know, creepy and, you know, sexist and misogynist. And then you and, in, and then you watch the actual clips. He's just being funny. He's joking. It's he's clearly joking. Um, the New York Times released this text uh, the other night and, you know, portrayed it as him uh saying something racist and violent. And that's the headline now, CNN, um, Huffington Post, all these organizations, Tucker Carlson's racist tweet. If you read that tweet, um, he talks about, in fact, he's watching this video of three Trump supporters beating the crap out of this Antifa kid. And he was like, he felt himself as he was watching it. He he wanted them to, to beat him up. I mean, he kind of had this bloodlust going and then he, and then he kind of had this, revelation this epiphany where he stepped back and he said listen this isn't good i shouldn't be feeling this way he's you know this guy i I may not agree with this antifa kid in any way but he is a kid he's someone's he's someone's brother someone's son uh perhaps someone's wife or husband and and you know i've i need to have more humanity and i shouldn't gloat over the fact he's getting uh beaten up and you know pretty thoughtful tweet um and yet that's not the headline the headline is all about the fact that he uses this phrase it's not how white men fight and that is being used to tar him as you know being racist somehow which again i don't even get that but i think um, it's a i think it's a defense of it's a reaction to a lot of the video that we see from you know attacks on stores and where people start fighting each other. and But good point that you make, Tom. I shouldn't gloat over his suffering. I should be bothered by it. I should remember that somewhere somebody probably loves this kid, and I would be crushed and would be crushed if he were killed. I don't care about those things. If I reduce people to their politics, how am I better than he is? But yeah. social, social media and the left have been doing that forever for the, at least the last 10 years, reducing us to our politics and yeah. taking our, our humanity away and making it okay to attack us. It, you, yeah. You know, so I don't. I, I've never been a big Tucker guy. I mean, I, I've always seen him as kind of a charlatan of sorts. You know, he's he, he does this, this his bit. He's He's got a target demographic and he, he's trying to hit them hard with. Their views and his views and match him up and and drive money, which he's done insanely successfully. When I read that that clip or that that what you just were sharing Touch, with us, yeah. it, one I, I read that line and that that line to me jumps off as 
like questionable. Like I obviously it, it sharks, it stops in my head. I'm like, what the, why would he write that? I don't know if Tucker is the type of guy who's actually like a white nationalist that everyone wants to betray him as, or oh. he just has, you know, a set routine that he does that he's trying to reach an audience that is probably, if we had to weigh them more likely than not likely to be more white nationalistic, if you will. I'm not saying they're racist, but yeah, you know, that's just the, the, the target he's going after to an extent. I would wonder if this guy is just putting out things that are like, oh yeah, that's just what I would think. But then I come down to this part where he's like, oh yeah, I'm a human. Like that's the stuff like you're saying, that's the thing that that's humanistic. All the other crap before that is him being, well, I, my first thought was this. And then I realized that I'm a human. They're a human. We're all humans. Let's not, why are we doing this? And well, I've never seen that from Tucker. And I would like to see more from that from Tucker. That, that last part of it kind of t- changed, altered the way I see Tucker in a positive way. The rest of it didn't really mean anything to me. It's just Tucker being Tucker. So I, I'm with you guys to the point where I think like it's it's piling on at this point. I mean, it's not like the guy's hiding anything. He, he does his shtick on, on air every night of the week. So what they're trying to present is what? The claim is that made by the New York Times is that, well... This was the text that really tipped the scale. Uh, um, and, you know, when when the Fox execs saw this, they were like, oh, my gosh, we've got to, you know, we've got to settle this lawsuit with Dominion right. and get rid of Tucker. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that seems just yeah. utterly ridiculous to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a a I think my take on it is that, uh, you know, Tucker had, although he had the highest rated show or one of the highest rated shows on Fox. He was the only one uh, on on that network that talked about, you know, things that the network, you know, some of the people in the network, uh, I think, didn't want talked about. Right. Mm-hmm. He talked about the Ukraine yeah. war. He talked about all these things. And um, and they just had had enough of it and and wanted to get rid of him. I mean, from all the reporting that we've seen. And again, you got to be careful when you read this stuff about yes. you got to sift through all the layers and who's who's, you know, arguing and, mm-hmm. and claiming what and what their motives are, but that it was made. It was a decision that was made at the very top and that it was made. Uh, it was a by all accounts, Tucker didn't see it coming. You know, it was a sort of a decapitation strike. He didn't get mm-hmm. a chance. You know, he was they were getting ready to do their Monday show and he got the call and said, you're not going on air ever again on this network. and. And then the other thing we've learned is that, you know, they he's been removed from air, but he hasn't necessarily been fired. Right. That's the and thing. he's under contract through the end of 2024. Some have reported even into he was negotiating an extension of his contract. And so Fox has taken him off the air, but he's still under contract. And I'm sure in his contract, he's got, you know, he's got non-disparagement clauses sure. where he can't go out and trash the network. Meanwhile, they're leaking things to the New York Times and Media Matters that are trashing him day in and day out for the past week, and he hasn't said anything. I'm not sure that he's able to say anything. So it's 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 a really um, crazy situation where the biggest voice for sort of the nationalist populist movement has been taken off the table yeah. for the next you know foreseeable future, all the way through the 2024 election cycle, which is. When you think about it that way, it's kind of crazy. Right. I mean, that's the thing is that you see Fox News is, is got to be they're panicking when they see the, the, the slapback on this because the guy is loved. I mean, he's beloved by people. I got people who 
I've met people, I know people online who, who talk about it, like they would never miss a single episode. They think everything he says is, you know, exactly the the right thing to say. And I think to your point, Tom, that, that Fox is scrambling to, to see like, uh, we have caught, been the bad guys here, you know, because the, the, the Fox is, it was not the favorite network after Trump lost. Remember, I mean, they were pissed at them for calling it. Now this, I mean, I, I feel like they've alienated a lot of people. Who buy gold and you they've know, killed themselves. They've well, killed so here, I mean, this is this is the interesting thing, right? Because I think from Fox's perspective, from Rupert Murdoch and and you know Lachlan Murdoch mm-hmm. um, and Suzanne Scott, who runs that organization, you know, they Megyn Kelly left. Bill O'Reilly got me too. These were massively popular hosts. Glenn Beck, even before that, mm-hmm. left to do his own thing, and the network not only survived, but thrived, right? That none of those personalities was bigger than the network. So here comes Tucker and they fire him and, and basically put him in purgatory and their ratings have in the eight o'clock slot, not just in eight, but in, in the surrounding Mm -hmm. um, have collapsed to the point where I think I just saw a story yesterday, MSNBC beat them in (laughs) prime time. Right. First time in like seven years or something, right? Right. So, so they have a real problem, and I'm, I'm sure the view is, well, this will pass, and we'll get back to to where we were. Um, and they've been doing some rotating hosts or whatever. But Tucker is, I, I, I honestly think he's in a different category because he was, and to your point, Jeff. I mean, I, I know, I don't know, just off the top of my head, I know probably six, six people, ten people, maybe who only watched his show. They didn't watch right. any other Fox. I mean, mm-hmm. there's some people like right. my parents who are in their, you know, late seventies who turn on Fox in the morning and, and it's just kind of like, it's white noise. It's all day. I hate it. No, I can't I'm like, too. you guys got to turn that by off. gold, by gold. Your brain. Um, and, but there are a lot of people who would tune in specifically for his show and then turn it off. And those mm-hmm. people are gone and they're not coming back. Right. And, you know, depending on how this shakes out and what Tucker ends up doing, it could be a significant shift. I mean, the, the network could be diminished um, in a in a significant way moving forward. So, I, but again, that'll, that'll depend on, I think, what Tucker does, um, where he ends up and kind of how he how he reinvents himself as a as a media personality. But it's a big deal. It's a big, big story with huge implications. I think that uh, Tucker Carlson represents something that frightens Fox News, and that is he is of the aristocracy. He is a child of the aristocracy. He comes from real money, not flashy, I just won the lottery money, but real money. And uh, he talks that game, you know, the the J Press ties and all that. He understands it, and he's rejected it. And that's what they're afraid of. And uh, you know what? He can go and fish, fly fish in Maine for for the next few weeks, but he can open up his own his own thing. Go go independent, like um, like so many people have done, because it's really liberating to be independent from from the corporate structure. And I think that people will spoken follow. by the voice of experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to compare myself. To no, Tucker, right. But, uh, I was not suggesting that. Yeah, but um, but you know what? Uh, it was the smartest financial decision I made in my life because there are people like two Toms, Tom Serfin and Tom 
Bevan, who uh, pushed me into it. And um, people, people, when they identify with a writer or a personality in the news, they don't like it when the corporate suits come and try to stab that guy, woman in the back. Megan yeah. Kelly's Megan Kelly's made a reinvented herself has made a career and she allows people to speak. Mm-hmm. Allows her, you know. I remember the you just tweeted uh, something of, of Megan Kelly the other day, Tom. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think Fox will recover. I no, mean, the the irony of them trying to I don't know disparage Tucker by putting out this type of stuff. And the only people who are, are it's going to give fodder to are people who don't like Tucker already or who of the left and, and are have a vengeance against him. The people who really like Tucker will see that comment and be like, yeah, I'm, that's interesting. Like, oh, OK. You know, they, they are they already believe what he says and they like what he says. So by Fox going this way, I don't think I think you're right. I think it's going to completely back. Well, it would also I mean, it would be it would be somewhat of a different story if if they actually had stuff right. that was damaging. Right. They're releasing stuff that's. Not even remotely damaging. I mean, those clips of him, if you watch them, even the one where he says, and and again, they were portrayed as like, you know, uh, sexist and misogynistic mm-hmm. and how terrible and he, he called someone's girlfriend yummy. And that's that's all that was portrayed. And I mean, he was like, oh, Tucker Carlson, you know, creepy, called some girls, you know, some dude's girlfriend yummy. If Did you actually watch the clip, he says, he stops himself after he says that. And he says, you know, and by the way, in case you know this gets pulled down off, he calls it the bird. I don't know what that means exactly, <laughs> but I'm the satellite. And, you know, he says, "I'm joking, I'm kidding." And then he's like, "F you, media matters." You know, right. and then he says, and then he says, you know, I, I've never even met the guy's girlfriend. I have no idea whether she's you know attractive or not, and right. and whatever. I was just joking. I mean, it's it's doesn't even it's the exact opposite of what it's being portrayed as. And so I think when you know that kind of situation. It actually people who who maybe don't have right. strong opinions formed about Tucker Carlson one way or another would look at that and say like he seems kind of normal and funny. He and seems like Stephen Colbert, not, like not being he's not being a misogynist. You know, I mean, it's just it's yeah. if that's the best they got, they're they're strengthening exactly. and they're not weakening him. There's nothing like talking media with. Uh, yeah, I love talking Tom Bevan. Tom. Well, thanks guys. It's like, it's good to be back. It's like putting on an old <laughs> pair of jeans. <laughs> Uh, it's great. <laughs> Although in my case, when I try and put on an old pair of jeans, they they don't fit. Unlike yeah, jeans, go buy new jeans. I have to find a tailor. I you know amazing. I'm not going to go to pleated pants though. I may might I might change my wardrobe and change it into some sort of jester outfit, like a jester. <laughs> I have what? to say, John, in all the years we've known each other, I never thought there'd be a day where you weighed less than I do. Well, you're a, for, you're a former quarterback. You're a former quarterback, my friend. <laughs> yeah, Come 50 on, years ago. Muscle up top, rolling out. Uh, one of life's, one of life's surprises, weighing more than there John There is counts. nothing like talking politics and media with my friend Tom Bevan, co-founder, president, boss of real clear politics and tom before we go i've got to ask you about real clear investigations i remember messaging you and saying is this true that we can uh, that uh, if you're in the publishing game <laughs> look at me 
but that we we're allowed to we can we can use or, or repost stuff from real clear politics without with permission from real clear politics yes yes true so real clear investigations so, so uh, uh, a few years ago we started an investigative uh-huh. unit um through our foundation real clear foundation so it's it's funded by contributions from uh ordinary folks uh to do you know some real investigative journalism um which is you know it's tough and and it's a it's a it's a piece of the news business that's been shrinking because it's hard to do it's labor intensive it's you know it requires a lot of money and and time and effort it's not a hot take right yeah right i mean that's kind of what the the opinion mm-hmm. business these days is you know crank out your your hot take i mean this is um you know much much more and we hired a guy tom coons who's a former new york times reporter uh investigative guy to run it and um you know paul sperry is one of the guys who's part of the investigative team and and um but there are a number of others and so you know we're publishing on real clear investigations i would say i don't know a few times a week now and um all of that stuff is is available to be reprinted with attribution um in fact we've got a sort of mini syndication service that we're sending it out to folks all around the country and and um yeah it's it's free because it's it's you know, it's funded through the foundation so it's not it's not a you know revenue so stream the, for us um it's it's done for the public well, good the, so the ones the articles that uh publishers might select are not the ones that come from like uh city journal or you know uh new york post or wh- whatever they come from real clear investigations those are the those are the ones correct uh, there's one war yep. threatens ukraine auto empire of biden mega donor urging greater u.s role that's from paul sperry he's great new advanced public education compare with brand equity that's by vincent boleski that's great I mean, all these offerings are just so important. I, I really like them, and I just want to thank you. Well, and while we're on that subject, let me let me give a a uh, shout out to Carl Cannon and Susan mm-hmm. Crabtree. Who, so one of the things that we're doing um, is a special series on religious freedom and uh, religious liberty around the world. And Susan Susan Crabtree, who's one of our national political writers, um, has has been covering this topic for, I don't know, 20, 30 years. And it's, it's a area of particular interest to Carl Cannon as well. And so she's written a number of stories um, about this over the past uh, few weeks. And then they just unveiled uh, a, it's a four part series. Part one uh, we ran on the site on uh, Wednesday titled the long road to confronting China's war on uh. religion. And uh very, very thorough, um, thoughtful, and uh, and important stuff. So, I, if you if you have any interest in that subject at all, uh, go read the go read Susan and Carl, and I think you'll be uh, impressed by yeah. the by the the depth and breadth of the, their coverage of that of that topic. And that's it. RealClearInvestigations.com for people who want to find more, but also on the main page, upper left, you can there's a link to it as well on. Real clear politics, which correct 
and the religious the religious freedom series were were running on real clear politics so that's you can find that there thanks tom for all you've done for us for me and for the uh for the chicago way podcast always good to have you thanks for being here absolutely so for tom bevan writer thinker co-founder and boss of RealClearPolitics.com. For Jeff Carlin, future physics teacher who got very excited about discussing uh, future teaching. And uh, for me, John Cass, editor-in-chief of my favorite website, JohnCassNews.com. Thanks for joining us on another edition of the Chicago Way Podcast on WGN+.